Alan Moses Play, a celebration of games and play, and a deep dive into video games and what make them so special to us. I'm your host, Paul Berberich, and with me, as always, is Dr. Moses Wolfenstein. Hello, Moses. Hello, Paul. We are back. We certainly are back on this fine, beautiful fall evening. It's true. It's true. It is a lovely, technically fall evening. Is it feeling fallish out there? Autumnal even? Quite. Quite so. Yeah. It's one of those uh, not a not a cloud in the sky blue days. Uh, you know, mid, like upper 50s to low 60s temps. Um, and uh, yeah, I actually... Just the way the schedules were lining up this week, um, I called in to work, uh, played hooky, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Laura visited from uh, from Princeton and went to the Arboretum, Ooh, cool. um, where she had never been, and checked out the fall colors, and uh, it was it was lovely. Right on, man. I am seriously seriously jealous it was like 90 degrees here today and it was supposed <laughs> oh, to be cooler today oh, no. um and it was not the only upside of the last wave of recent heat in los angeles is the uh dryness of it unlike uh, our previous heat wave which was damn right midwestern in character um this is like what i wanted august to be where you get like that 90 92 even 88 whatever degree days if you're kind of coastal ish Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's dry. It's a dry heat, as we always mm-hmm. used to say. Um, God, gone are those days. The predictability of it is is no more. But I guess they got enough water over in Florida right now for everybody. It's for damn sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's just fucking crazy. So hopefully everybody out there has evacuated and is otherwise staying safe. Uh, you know, except the two people that I saw like in like Tampa Bay, like that had been sucked dry of all. Oh yeah. Yeah. water and they're just down there in the mud and like you know that you know that shit's coming back right? uh, the water, water is... what it goes out uh, you know tide <laughs> right. goes out tide comes back um yeah. wait no that's that's not what i meant at all um but Granted, yeah i i would i would want to do that like i think i'm mostly oh, I would just definitely, jealous that... i would definitely want to do it but yeah. i also i'm not sure i would actually have the guts to because yeah. that is just strike me as downright fucking dangerous but also yeah. very floridian it's a florida man thing to do to be like hey yeah. cool look at this once in a lifetime let's go where the water was a moment ago it's free real estate <laughs> it's a, yeah it's free real estate yeah exactly exactly so you know um more power to him i suppose uh in other non-games-related news, um, apparently Coolio just died. Yeah, I saw a tweet. Like just earlier today. So, yeah. you know, rest in power, power artist Leon Ivy Jr., uh, or better known as Coolio. Uh, mm-hmm. You certainly left your mark. Fucking 59 is too young to go. So yeah. that yeah. is just sad. Uh, and, um, you know, no more to say really there for now. Yeah. But in games related news that we've missed in the last week, there are a couple of Nintendo things that popped up. Um, uh, Nintendo news? Nintendo's 133rd birthday happened mm. like sometime, I think, within the last seven days or so. So that's kind of crazy. Happy birthday, mm-hmm. Nintendo, from uh, a wee scrappy, what, card company? Hana, Hanafuda. Um, yeah cards yeah 133 years ago that's pretty fucking crazy that is man and like 19th century nintendo not under this name but nintendo existed at the end of the 19th century yeah 
like video games were not a a a, a pixel in whomever's eye. There wasn't even point. a fucking screen, right? You know, yeah. like seriously, it, it's like yeah, we had photography. Um, but the other thing that I saw that was Nintendo related that I figured was worth a call out because we actually touched on it on a tell me about recently is apparently I had no idea there's a a new Super Mario Brothers movie that's been greenlit. Oh yeah. So so that's a thing. Yeah, this has been a uh, man. I can't believe it hasn't come up yet. It's been uh, it's been over a year, I think, since since it was announced. But uh, and especially when they when they talked about the casting, um, like, have you heard much about the casting? I mean, I, in my imagination, I'm suddenly filling in always sunny actors in in various Mario Are you serious? Because Char- like Charlie Day is like Yoshi or something. Um, I'm trying to better than I could have imagined. No, I was just spitballing. Oh my god, I was just spitballing. I was just like thinking, like, oh, hmm, interesting possibilities here. Well, bring you back down to earth with the unfortunate news that uh, none other than Chris Pratt is Mario. Mario, weird, Um, weird choice, very strange choice. There was this really strange tweet about the voice and how it's not going to be like an Italian accent. which is okay, even though that is kind of Mario's voice. It's Charles Martinet doing mm-hmm. this falsetto Italian voice. I mean, that's, you know. That is, but, that is Mario, yeah. But a fictional character, there can be various uh, interpretations. That, that's okay. Most but definitely. It's just so easy to hate Chris Pratt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of is. And, um, you know, and, and when you double that down, so to speak, with being like, oh, yeah, no, we're also going to like completely dump one of the more iconic elements of this character you go wait no i'm yeah uh, are you guys are gonna really fuck this up a second time differently right you know i i feel like maybe they got uh you know some wind in their sails because sonic was actually successful and they're like well shit sonic can do it we can't do yeah and who knows right but uh man it's that is a tall that is a tall order i unfortunately it, it's a very tall order, but uh, you know, we'll just we'll just have to. I think we have to give it a chance. Yeah, we have to give it a chance and see okay. how it goes. So Charlie Day is Luigi, which is which is pretty inspired. That's uh, actually that. See, that's the kind of when I was thinking like slotting Always Sunny actors in. That's the kind of casting I was thinking of. That could totally work. Yeah. I can see this. Okay, so we got Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, uh, which which I kind of like. Whoa, um, Jack Black okay. as as Bowser. Which is okay. Uh, yeah, Keegan Michael Key as Toad, which which I love. Oh, that's gonna be weird. I like it. Yeah, uh, Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong. Okay, <laughs> there's a Cranky Kong. Well, I mean, uh, I like Fred Armisen, so I feel good about yeah. that. Um, and yeah, old person. On a totally unrelated thing, Fred Matt. Armisen apparently does. The, I haven't watched this video where he does like these impressions of different drummers over the years. Okay. Because he's a very talented drummer. And uh, just a side note, definitely need to check that one out. So again, on the entirely ungames related news for you all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you like Fred Armisen and you like drums and you didn't even know he drummed, especially. Um, I've heard this is worth a watch. It's like drumming styles over the years. Okay, cool. I can see it. Uh, yeah, man. Otherwise, um, I am still in my uh, sort of in-between big games kind of places and you know have kind of been trying to force video games to kind of still work 
instead of trying to cultivate new hobbies, which I should be doing right now. Arguably. Um, yeah, no, if you've got a soft gaming patch, usually it's a good idea to just refocus. Yeah. New hobbies and... or just refocus on a different hobby of choice. You know, I often mm -hmm. personally go through cycles uh, that alternate between video games and reading, like books. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time when I'm in a book place, I'm not in a gaming place very much and vice versa. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's been uh, just a, a couple of things. Um, inscription is really hard. And I still have not beaten level two. Um, I haven't been. I barely, I barely tapped much. the surface of inscription. So yeah. um, I have completed the training level. Yeah. I am very intrigued by the setup because there are obviously these weird layers going on here. Yeah. You got this very like brief little kind of teaser. Oh, let's see what's on this old ROM at like the start of the game. Um, so we know we're in a thing within a thing and the thing is a video game within the video game. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is bound to get weird later on. I hope so. Mm -hmm. I hope so. And I, I mean, I don't know. Um, when you say level, I assume like after I did the training part, then I'm on a path through a forest and it's like you find a thing and you can make a choice and something else. Yeah. And then it, then it bumps you up against your next actual challenge, your next right. actual, yeah. Which I just started dipping into. Um, so yeah, there's there's that whole forest and then there's the boss of the forest. Okay. And then level two. And then level two, thing. which is where, where you're at. Okay. And then, yeah, I'm, I'm on that boss. And I, and I did have a sort of an aha moment of like, oh, this is, this is what I should be doing against this boss because like basically exploiting his special ability. Um, I mean, okay. So just for anyone who needs the reference, cause I would have needed the reference. Um, it is a deck builder um, with some interesting uh, mechanics that are, that are a little different. Uh, notably what's introduced from very early on is it relies on sacrificing cards which is not an unheard yeah. of mechanic, including in magic, um, but it's like deep. It's an essential mechanic in this game that certain cards to play them are going to require sacrifice of other cards. Um, yeah, it's like a, like a food web. Like they, you put out a squirrel and then another squirrel and then the wolf eats two squirrels and then you can right. play the wolf. And then you can play a wolf by way of sacking two squirrels. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and I did have a, it's, it's a ferret, I think, that was like, you killed me, but uh, I'm back. Um, we'll talk later and I'm like there's weird writing in this game yeah. I like the weird writing in this the game stoat. for sure the stoat is the stoat ferret yep. stoat I was kind of close um, so you know and yeah when given the choice I bought the cat because you know you can't permanently kill it I was like that just seems yep. like a really useful card to have uh, even though the trade-off for it did was it was a tough one it was a as we'd say a meaningful decision yeah so you know I'm looking forward to diving into it a bit more my only problem so far with inscription um it's very dark mm -hmm. and this is actually connected to why i have not uh managed to pick elden ring back up um yeah. i've realized something about myself which is that i have an upper bound for uh for dark palettes in video games mm. i like them up to a point i can get into them um but i definitely have a preference for brighter palettes in video games mm -hmm. Uh, it's definitely part of why Kenna was uh, uh, such an easy game to hook me yeah. is that it's got like this great bright palette in addition to all of the other wonderful things that, uh, you know, that I love about that game. So, um, and I actually think it's probably part of why Apex has me continuously hooked. Like 
there's none, none of the other battle royales are even tempting to me because, uh, I mean, obviously Fortnite has a bright palette, but there are all kinds of reasons why I've never picked it up. But like the, the others all tend to be uh, kind of grimmer, flatter, earth tony or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know, that's going to be something I'm going to have a lot of trouble spending extended time with to, to up my skill. The and, bright and, palette helps. Yeah. And at least in that particular instance, like you're not going to play too battle royale shooters either oh no i mean there are people might be playing fortnite if it wasn't for i mean probably not fortnite but you know what i mean like i mean if i hadn't picked up a battle royale and once they released no build fortnite if somebody could have talked me into it probably really easily because the whole build mechanic of fortnite is what kept me from even touching it i was just like that sounds like it's really complex and um I can get into a shooter, but I don't want a shooter where I'm going to have to learn this whole other fucking system while I'm also just trying to learn to be, you know, middling and not total shit at being, at playing the shooter. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, like it, it certainly though is why no one ever was able to talk me into trying PUBG and I don't see it happening anytime soon. Like, I mean, I could be probably talked into playing a few rounds just to experiment with it. If uh, I had a friend who was, who was playing it heavily. But it does not have, you know, it's got a really boring color palette. Yeah. It's just so conventional. And, and I will accept that. And obviously Elden Ring's all over this place and I will get back to it. Um, and I'll, I'll accept it in certain games. And I mean, Half-Life 2 is a great example where a lot of the color palette is very drab, but it's telling a story that works off of that uh, extremely well, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Just some thoughts on palette, but yeah, no, I, I'm intrigued by inscription. It's clearly a different version. My, my, for a second, I was like, you know, I still haven't finished Slay the Spire. Um, if I ever managed to beat that game, uh, just cause it's such a like third tier game for me, as far as like what I might pick up on any given night. And my first thought was like, oh, I'm picking up another game like Slay the Spire cause it's another deck builder. Um, mm-hmm. but it's different. It's clearly different. Uh, it's got you know i can play more than one deck builder at once yeah and this is a a roguelite uh deck builder um yeah in that when well slay the spire is as well actually okay um but yeah when you fail uh you will pick a new starting cards and then all the modifications you've made throughout your last run will be gone and uh you'll you'll be going from there um yeah i love it is it roguelite in the sense that your failures help you mechanically on the next round next round yeah. yeah so yeah that that part is definitely um slay the spire definitely did that pretty well as well yeah um but the mechanics of combat are totally different yeah um in that yeah just because you use cards and and deck building yeah like that that is not <laughs> in of itself uh defining of what it is what the gameplay is like right yeah. that's just like saying well there are uh tokens on a physical board so this is the same game. Like, uh, no, one of those is chess and the other one is Carcassonne. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Yeah, I, I and I, I love the way the cards, some of your cards do talk to you, um, uh, including the stoat that you get at the very beginning. Uh, and one of my favorite things is, and even though it's aggravating, I'll make a play with the stoat and he'll be like, bad play. And <laughs> I believe him because he also says good play sometimes when I, you know, and it it serves at least two purposes, one of which is like fleshing out the character of this little stoat uh, of yours who 
knows he's your pawn and kind of is going to die and come back and everything that that entails. Um, and then it also informs that, oh, there, this play that I don't recognize as a bad play, uh, I'm going to trust the stoat that it was and try and figure out why it was. Yeah. Yeah, I can dig it. I can dig it. And so I do look forward to, uh, to digging into that a little bit more. Um, you know, for me, otherwise, of course, there's been a bunch of Apex, and I'll talk about why that is in just a little while. All righty. Um, for me, the only other main gaming thing on my plate has been Trombone Champ. Okay, I was going to ask you about Trombone Champ because that is the other thing that has made yeah. mad fucking headlines. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. It's so funny. Uh, Does like, it? Do you know, is it play on OS X or is it a Windows exclusive? I think it's Windows at this point. I gotta make up. I gotta do things. <laughs> get, a, get a partition, get a wine set up maybe, or... I'm not gonna do that on my 2015 MacBook Air. No, I've gotta get a goddamn gaming PC. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it may or may not happen between now and the end of the year, but it's gotta happen for yeah. sure. Because um, I've read about and watched some videos of Trombone Champ, and man, just looks delightful. It is so delightful and so funny. Uh, you know, it's a rhythm game. It has all the trappings of of your guitar heroes and whatnot. Uh, except it is a trombone and even if you do really well it's still going to sound shitty and funny and sour and like the game will tell you like nasty like the, the na yeah. you are playing a nasty, nasty. note and i mean i'm sure there are some trombone players out there who will disagree with that statement there are also probably some trombone players out there who will agree with that statement and relish the fact that this game is describing their in instrument as nasty that's probably exactly why they like to play it <laughs> right I did see a great review from a trombone player who was obviously somewhat facetiously like, this is just like playing a fucking trombone right. in real life. Um, yeah. And went through several of the qualities that do apparently like really pretty well match playing a trombone. And they're like, the one thing I need out of this for it to be a simulator that allows me to practice is having to count measures until I come in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which as a former orchestral uh, slash symphonic band percussionist, in my youth, I can very much relate to that part. Like, mm -hmm. it's not a real simulator of this role unless you have to spend an ungodly amount of time waiting while the rest of the band does their thing. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's it's a trifle. You know, it's 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 small. Um, and there are, you know, it's not even really a, a, a genuine complaint because the game is is perfect already. But they included. It's mostly like public domain songs. Like, okay. oh, Canada, Stars and Stripes Forever, right. uh, William Tell Overture, which is fucking majestic. And until you so lay your funny. hands on it. Uh, well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but they made some original pieces as well, and they just don't work ah. because you need that innate familiarity. You need the solemnity of Oh, Canada to juxtapose mm -hmm. against this shitty tone you're making. If you're just playing some random ska song that they made up because they need a ska song which sure they need a ska yeah. song um and they just, didn't have the capacity because it's such an indie title right. they're not going to be able to license exactly um you know whatever real big fish or my money bostones or yeah and then it's got this entire meta game on top of it where uh, it has several aspects to one of which is a card collecting where you get these shiny foil looking cards of like mozart and uh, the trumpet, which they're making fun of, and this and that. And they all reference how many hot dogs this various composer could eat in one <laughs> sitting. <laughs> and then you, you uh, disenchant them, essentially, into okay. uh, turds. 
Oh God. Um, because like toots are uh, anyway, there's like toots. The game is turns. full of fart jokes. Yeah. And they apparently excrement as well. And then, yeah, you can create new cards by combining a bunch of turds. Uh, and then there's oh, this little demon you can meet who wants you to sacrifice cards to him for his own little story purposes. Um, wow. baboons, baboons are a big thing. And really? there is a full on Dark Souls intro. It is a direct homage to the narrator. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. I feel like I probably, after we uh, wrap this pod, just like for my own sanity, I should probably pull down the YouTube where there will be a, uh, I just said the YouTube, but I meant the like YouTube. the YouTube video of the intro. Um, yeah. Just got like a long it's bound to be up. It's bound to be up there somewhere. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had, uh, as I mentioned, I had um, well, actually, a, a few days ago, I had uh, Laura over, uh, and I'm like, "You got to try this," and like, she couldn't make it through the tutorial uh, level without because she was laughing too hard, and I nice. was too. Nice. Um, it was so fucking funny, and just laughing her asses off playing. And then I had my friend, uh, friend of the show, Abra, mm-hmm. uh, over, and she's doing the tutorial, and just kind of not much going on expression wise, not laughing kind of met you know messing up a little and i'm like something's off here and uh i guess for for abra or the type of person she is she needs to be able to be perfect ah uh, yes. and the the enjoying of the fucking up which is the entire purpose of a the game huge part of this game yeah quite work as well for her um so unlike a classic rhythm game like barely eking out passing a level is kind of the point Right. And, and actually, on that note, you can't even fail. Uh, you can't fail out of a level. Except apparently the tutorial. <laughs> oh, well, only if you are laughing too much and literally like push your chair away from the computer. I guess that's what I mean when I say couldn't make it through. Ah, so it's actually a master valence program. They're watching you play, aren't they? I'm afraid so. Oh, God damn it. The baboons, the baboons <laughs> are watching. Oh, well, that explains a lot. Yes. Well, excellent. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to dipping a toe into it or, uh, yeah, you know, a trombone slide as the case may be. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I might have a question for you later in the podcast, but All we'll right. just come back to that. We will. And in fact, we will, uh, I believe, head towards it at this point as we approach the first feature of the show. It's time for Game Ranks. Rank it up, Moses. Yeah, Paul. So I had this one in the mix and I think I mentioned it like a while back when I was ranking uh, a different game as a contender that it had been that week. And yet somehow it's substantially further down down the list. Coming back to my DS gaming experiences, Phoenix Wright, Ace ah. Attorney coming in at number 62 for me uh, right after The Legend of Zelda uh, actually feels like a pretty fitting place for it. I know the original release of this game was 2001, but that was very much not on the DS the DS version came later and included the extra final fifth chapter that was not part of the original game and has been included in every release since. That would be the Rise from the Ashes chapter. Um, so, I mean, I will proceed without objection to <laughs> tell you why it is that Phoenix Wright has this particular spot for me. Yeah. Um, this game, first of all, it was a fucking delight. Uh, it is definitely closer i was just listening to our our thick lizzie episode uh of a few a few episodes back uh three episodes back i believe and um i mentioned visual novels when you were asking me about sexy games 
and, and honestly, Phoenix Wright might be the closest to a visual novel that, uh, and it's not, it very clearly is not, but it has elements of it that mm-hmm. uh, are pretty much a lot of narrative playing out, right? And as the text is scrolling across the screen. And it just didn't slow me down at all. I was just eating that stuff up like I was just turning pages of a book. And it's like very much, uh, it, it pulls from some anime tropes, undoubtedly, in terms of the whole structure of it. You know, yeah. there's, you know, your young lawyer in the first case and his sexy boss will get murdered in the second episode and her younger sister comes up out of nowhere. And even though this is a game about being a lawyer, suddenly you've got ghosts and, you know, um, training as a spirit medium involved in it. Uh, but uh, I honestly like I don't think that you can uh, you can talk about um, about Phoenix Wright without getting into uh, his nemesis slash inspiration Miles Edgeworth. I think Miles is, Edgeworth. Wow, what a name! The, yeah, but that's the thing. All of the all of the characters in the game have the most ridiculous fucking names. They're they're all totally silly, but they're all these very compelling, well written, like. Yes, for like, uh, you know, written for like, a, you know, a kind of 12 year old level audience on up or maybe a little bit younger. Um, but they're filled out, you know, they're filled out and you have the succession of murder trials that you're doing. And of course, the having absolutely nothing to do with reality, go out and do the police work yourself as the lawyer and find evidence mm-hmm. and, you know, do your kind of point and click uh, examination of. The scenes of the crime and then by the time in the ds version they had that thing where you could examine uh evidence objects which was kind of a cool feature you could like rotate them around and that actually kind of helped you figure out a little bit more about the role that they were they were supposed to be playing um it was just such a great enjoyable game it is a template for a lot of honestly it's a template for a lot of educational game writing that happened i know that um film and games in madison was definitely influenced by by Phoenix Wright when they mm. did their I um, I have a right uh, do I have a right uh, game which was part of the Hour Courts game series that they did um, in terms of kind of it's an argumentation game at the end of the day this is a, a big part of what the court scenes in Phoenix Wright are are really about constructing your argument and do you have the right pieces to substantiate the argument that you're trying to make mm-hmm. um, which is just a really cool critical thinking skills kind of thing to have embedded in the game. And so as an educator and at times educational game designer myself, I just have to admire that here in a commercial game, they did a really, I, games teach all kinds of cool stuff all the time, but in a really explicit way, they are teaching argumentation, like uh, kind of some, some core basic skills of argumentation in, in this just delightful game. Uh, with these totally bombastic characters and it was a romp and I would uh, absolutely go back and replay it uh, if I had the the bandwidth to do so. It's just not exactly something that's going to top the deck when there's like probably literally a hundred games I need to catch up on. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the sequels to uh, whatever game you're, you're referring to as well. That's actually, honestly, yeah, right. That too. But no, um, I never played the rest of the Ace Attorney series and, mm-hmm. uh, and there is that out there. If I were to actually um make the the time rather than than replaying uh the original i think that it would probably make much more sense because uh, they're all cross-platform now you can get them on mm-hmm. I, I know you can get them on steam so that was was not previously the case i think they're on ios actually yeah that would make sense um yeah i i've 
maybe played a demo of, of one of them once. I was always intrigued by it. And especially, you know, I know on the 3DS, which I think is like the primary uh, console for these games over, over the years. Um, right. Not when they original. I mean, they original I, Game Boy Advance was the first one. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but where you would actually yell uh, the word objection into the microphone to make an <laughs> objection. Like, that's just fun. Yeah, that is uh, just fun. Agreed. And um, I take it you have not played Aviary Attorney on Steam? <laughs> no. Okay. And now that I'm looking uh, on the Wikipedia page, maybe it's not on Steam. Oh, no, it says Windows. That's probably through Steam. Okay. Um, it is definitely on iOS and Android, but no, I have not played Aviary Attorney. This is uh, Harvey Birdman meets Phoenix, right? Uh, it is uh, more of a Holmes and Watson style, uh, uh, you know, point and click mystery. Oh, I like it. Game uh, with a very lovely um, illustrated art style. It looks like pen, pen and ink kind of situation. Um, nice. Good voice, you know, good voiceover. Uh, well, I mean, this aviary attorney reminds me of another game that I've been getting bugged to play uh, that I believe. Yeah, it's on PS. It's on PlayStation for sure. Is Chicken Police. Oh, I've not heard of this. Oh yeah, no. Um, well, we're on the topic of of crime and and uh, you know punishment. No, um, well we're <laughs> well well we're on the topic of games about crime and and law. Um, this is one that apparently you and I both need to check out. Ryan Martinez, coworker, okay. friend, and friend of the pod, has been uh, has been bugging me about this one for quite some time. I think it's like a five to eight hour kind of jam that is just uh, like lovingly executed and as ridiculous as you would think a game called chicken police can be okay all right we'll have to check it out sometime so just like i'll have to check out aviary attorney as well but for today yeah coming in at 62 for me phoenix Wright, ace attorney very nice uh well for myself moses i was wondering if you might be able to hazard a guess as to what game would all of a sudden uh skyrocket up to my new number 11 wow um Loop Hero? Good, good guess. But no, okay. uh, this is uh, uh, following our discussion from last week. No, no, Super either. Mario Brothers. Yeah. Yeah, that actually makes way more sense than Loop Super Hero. Eleven is too high for your list for Loop Hero. But yeah. yes, the original, right on. Yeah. Um, you know, when, you know, when we first started the pod, you know, a few episodes in, I ranked uh, Super Mario All Stars. And I was like, well, it's got Super Mario Brothers in it. So that, that kind of satisfied that energy you know for a while but um especially after last week with our conversation i'm like you know what i didn't play all stars when i was three years old and you know obsessing over over every frame and like i you know i was kind of going back through memories and when i would get the fire flower or the star man i would try and pause the screen to get it to where mario was on like the colors that i liked or, oh, God, or, yeah. or like in a weird in-between growth state from like mushroom to uh, to to big to big boy. Um, and I see here you've got some star man. Yeah. Never felt so invulnerable. <laughs> um, so. You know what can you what can you say? It was the game that kickstarted basically my entire uh, life of 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 my hobby. 
Um, you know, I know we talked about it to yeah, at, at like medium length um, in an earlier episode, um, but um, getting to explore this space and having it feel like a persistent space and getting to try and break the game, like, you know, um, and all the, the secrets and the extreme challenge and the fact that, you know, it still feels good to jump in this game. It still feels good to jump on Goomba's head. Yeah, it is still hard as hell uh, as you get you know further in the game, um, and I, I I wish man I I really wish I could go back and see more of myself playing it for the first time or playing it with the family, you know because I was just I was three years old like that those memories are extremely faded if if they're at all you know yeah I mean that's fucking wild that you were that young and that you were trying to play this game at that age too. It's mm-hmm. crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, we had the, the duck hunt uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, and the Mario bros uh, in, in one cartridge and. Oh yeah. Um, plastic car with the diagonal split. And I'm like, what, you know, did my parents, they, they must've played a little bit. Like we probably even talked about it on the episodes we, we had them on like it's oh yeah of- i can't remember uh which of your folks mentioned duck hunt specifically yeah yeah um so you know it's a masterpiece obviously the um you know i love the uh the underwater uh music you know it's got this nice maritime kind of feeling and um i don't know man what what can you even say it's uh it's a gem it truly truly is and i mean if you got nothing more to say for today because i'll rank this game in not too distant future i expect and uh you know and we'll have more to say about it then but until then nice you have this red a red button on your screen share uh (laughs) just for that occasion you know, I, one nice thing about looking up things on the web about Super Mario Brothers, I don't need to go try and track down audio from a YouTube video. I don't need to be like, I'm like, no, let me, like, I'm going to skip all the video links. I want Starman. Okay, cool. There's a, a, a quick audio grab for it. Okay, I just want Mario dying. There we go. Mm-hmm. Bam. And he's dead. Aw. <laughs> Damn, that was my last slide. Oh, no. Hopefully you held select and uh, you can get right back to world three um, without, without much trouble. Uh, I did not know that, but moving right along. Yeah. Um, as for us, uh, moving right along indeed into the next feature of the show, it's time for what I love about. What do you love this week, Moses? Man, I love me this limited. It's going to last for a little under a week now, more two week mode in apex they do these limited modes periodically and this one is called gun run and i love and i hate it i'm going to start with telling you about why i actually kind of hate it i saw somebody on uh reddit on the apex sub sum it up kind of perfectly the thing to hate about about gun run it is it is a third party simulator um like it you have four three-person squads um And the first to get to 25 kills, Hmm. plus I think a knife kill, I haven't bothered looking this up. Once you get up to 25 kills, then you can get knives. Um, I'm not 100% sure. I really should because I have not won with a squad yet. Um, I've come in second. I've definitely made it to the 25 kills with my squad. 
Um, and, uh, but man, yeah, it's definitely like, oh God, I do suck at this game. But one, one of the problems with that is like, no, it's not realistic. Um, because the thing about a mode like this is the randomization of who you're getting thrown in there with is truly crazy. And you can absolutely be in the mix with some just ludic ludicrously good overpowered players in relation to your own skill level. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's only two maps in it. Um, but what I do love about it is, uh, you know, as you get a kill, as you get each kill yourself, you get a new gun. The guns are always like their most powered up form. Um, and well, it can be a little bit annoying when you're like stuck with the Prowler, which is not a gun I'm particularly good with, it's, you know, burst fire LMG, um, like, or no SMG, it's a sub, not a light. Um, it's cool. It's cool. You know, uh, the biggest problem in relation to this is I, I haven't had the opportunity to get in here with a three stack or even with one other person who I know so that we can really actively coordinate. So those wins have only come when there is voiceless, basically coordination going on with two strangers Yeah. Um, or near wins, I should say uh, the, the competitive matches that I've had, but man, on, on the one hand, it really sucks when you're just getting repeatedly mown down and respawning. Um, but on the other hand, what I truly love about it is when you're on a streak and you just, it is fucking godlike. You're just like, you, you mow a guy down or a person down. You like, you have a new gun, you turn around, you go down a hallway, you take somebody else down, new gun. It's such an immensely like empowering, powerful feeling. And I mean, when the game is somewhere in the middle of that, it's still a good feeling. You know, it's still, it's still fun. It's just not so fun when your squad is like scattered and everybody's trying to play like, solo and you're just getting like hammered on by duos or trios you're playing the game the way it's meant to be played right but man definitely one of the best limited modes that apex has had to offer so far and i while i'm on the subject something else i think that respawn did that's really smart in this particular limited mode and this event that they haven't done previously is they separated out event objectives that award you with expo for your battle pass from the other event rewards that you get for like leveling up the event event points that you get from from you know limited event regular goals like your dailies so you got dailies and then you've got like things to try and do over the course of the event it's a really smart design move um that that fits with some of the other things they've done this season i won't bother going into uh because it's like hey you care about the cosmetics uh focus on grinding out the dailies um you're really here to like hey you're going to play in this mode but you don't give as much of a shit about the cosmetics. Um, okay, you're going to be focusing on this other set of objectives that are self-contained and don't have anything to do with whether or not you're playing in Battle Royale. Uh, or, you know, it's like very specific to this. Like, hey, get X number of kills, get X number, like in this mode, get X number of damage in this mode. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just smart. I, I, I think it's like a really nice design choice for a lim limited time event. So a lot to love about Gunrun. It's ridiculous. It is definitely a third-party simulator. Maybe it makes you get a little bit better at that, except for the fact that people just keep coming back and mowing you down. So it's like yeah. a perpetual third party situation. But uh, you know what? It's been a lot of fun. And uh, Gun Run, I, I don't know that I'll miss you next Tuesday, but uh, but I'm going to keep enjoying it between now and then. I'm assuming a knife kill is melee, not throwing. No, no, they're throwing knives. They are throwing. OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not. It's not melee. You can do melee damage in it, but it's it's not melee. Um, it does have the ability like the winter express mode did, um, where you can switch your character, um, you know, mid-match if you want to, as long as it's not somebody else who's taken by your squad. Okay. So that's a nice thing, but it will reduce the cooldown on your ultimate back to 
I think it'll reduce it back to zero cause different characters to have different cooldown timers. Um, cause otherwise, yeah, you, depending on your character, you might get multiple times in a match to drop your alt. Yeah. Um, and depending on how competitive the match is, uh, you know, if, um, multiple teams are kind of, uh, inching to that, that 25 kill marker, it's going to take a lot longer than if one team, fuck you, Eagle team or bear team, whoever you happen to be is, is just like steamrolling the rest of the lobby, which mm -hmm. definitely happens. Yeah. Cool. It sounds like they're really keeping it fresh, like in, in smart ways. They are overall. I mean, this season, one of the reasons I have not spent as much time with other games is, this, is that the season's just been I, like I've mentioned previously that I'm in a good place with apex. I, you know, do I still suck? Yeah, more or less, but like I'm better enough to, and to enjoy it a lot more um, and to enjoy the battle Royale specifically a lot more, which is what the game's really supposed to be about. Um, but they're doing things to keep it fresh and they're trying to keep making tweaks to like, you know, to, to balance, to keep it lively, to make it, to make it work. And um, it's a hard fucking job. It is a hard job. And so, yeah, I know everybody likes to complain about the matchmaking because it's always a popular thing to do. And, uh, you know, for all I know, the matchmaking over on um, on other competitive shooters is much better. But fuck me, I don't like you alluded to earlier. I don't have the time to play one competitive shooter in my life. It's just not going to happen. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, great. Well, for me this week, um, Kind of a, a brief one, and I think it's sort of some energy that we've touched on before, but what I love about video games is uh, the sharing of them yeah. and the shared vocabulary, the, the shared good times. Um, uh, you know, catching up with a friend of the show, Abra, um, the other day and wanted her to play Trombone Champ. Uh, turned out to be the one person in the world who does not like it, uh, which is uh, which is just fine. And I'm like, okay, so that's you... delightful in its own way. Well, exactly. And I'm like, okay, so you need everything to be precise and perfect and perfectable. Like you want a game that recognizes that and that that is achievable. Uh, I'm like, papers, please. That oh. is a game all about meticulous checking and double checking and yeah. Um, so, you know, sat her down with that, um, told her kind of what's what's going on. And she was playing. And uh, after about three days, she was like, this feels like work. And, <laughs> and but I thought it was like in a good way. And then she finished out that day and she looked over at me and she was like very pained expression. She was like, can I stop playing this? And I'm like, uh, of course. Of like, course. Yeah. She felt really bad that she had not liked the first two games that I suggested which uh you know she's a sweetheart um but me like i i'm looking for the genuine feedback yeah know? yeah no it's fantastic yeah i would just throw in even though this is a kind of parallel but with regard to abra if um she might like tetris effect if she has not given yeah. it a, a whirl yet it's certainly a, a you know progressively challenging but certainly perfectable or most close enough to perfectable yeah you know? channeling your skills to a state you can certainly nail levels so that's for sure mm -hmm. no doubt yeah um so then i was like you know what okay we need the antithesis of these two games it's time for super amazing wagon adventure uh which is a shmup style uh oregon trail yes not even a roguelite but it's got branching paths you know yeah um and that you sit down with it like once and i i remember it being pretty yeah. delightful yeah uh, and I've, I've had the game for so long and it still has me and Wendy and John as the three 
<laughs> people in the wagon, uh, which is great because that's the most gruesome, like, you know, Paul was killed instantly when, when a bullet struck his eye, uh, you know, things like right. that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Most heartbreaking, you know, uh, death descriptions. Um, so yeah, she really liked super amazing wagon adventure. Um, and then, uh, I got to show her a brief tutorial overview of my RimWorld colony, okay. uh, which I have going on. And she, she was intrigued by that. Um, and I think she's going to start her own colony next time we hang out. Um, and then, uh, as I mentioned, you know, having Laura over and just laughing our asses off playing trombone champ, um, you know, especially with uh, gamers who are not, who don't game that much and who it's a, it's a novel kind of thing. Again, um, the way people can take to an experience, you know, it's very powerful and, uh, and I love, I love sharing games. Damn it. So do I. Yeah. And that is just really, really well put and some great moments in the, in the last week to draw on for it. I love it. Oh, show. Uh, well, with that, we'll get to the next feature of the show. It's time for Tell Me About. And Moses, this week, uh, it is actually similar uh, to last week's question, but uh, I figured, uh -oh. what the hell? Um, <laughs> this is going to be a little creative exercise for you once again. Um, but I was thinking about, uh, well, Dark Souls, of course, and how we haven't really had a proper desert uh, environment. There have been some sort of mini kind of hubs like Catacombs of Carthus was like a desert kind of area and all that. But um, I wondered if you could uh, do a little quick brainstorm on uh, what a Dark Souls desert might entail. And uh, that would include an environmental hazard mm -hmm. uh, that is not quicksand. Ah, Yeah. Honestly, um, actually, you're not supposed to find quicksand in a desert anyway, so that's good. That's that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, a basic enemy, a boss, and either uh, a brief lore of that place or the name of that place. Okay. Boss, brief lore, and name, uh, brief lore or name. Mm -hmm. Wait, right? Or, or, or both. Uh, or both. Then, yeah. So yeah, an environmental hazard, a basic enemy, a boss, um, and brief lore name or, or both for a Dark Souls desert environment. And Paul, I don't know if you kind of had this in your head. You know that uh, I believe Saturday, uh, because I have a very specific reason for Saturday being on my mind, is, is the anniversary of Dark Souls. Oh, hell yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, maybe we'll get this bought up uh, in, the, in the next few days in time for it. Um, yeah. I believe I'm going to be playing some original Dark Souls at least for a little while with some past play with a, a co-worker who okay. is going to host a past play party for the original Dark Souls. Oh, nice. So I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to that. I don't think I can commit the whole day, which is too bad. Yeah. Um, but I'm, ha I'm looking forward to dropping in and taking a turn or two. Very curious what build we're going to wind up with. Yeah. Um, so let's start out with that environmental hazard that is not quicksand that is in a dark souls desert environment um so here's the thing we're talking about dark souls so it's not like specifically granted there is there's a forest in dark souls but for the most part dark souls environments are tinged with having structures 
They're not typically just a natural environment. Even like Dark Souls 3, the swamp environments, you've got all these buildings in the swamp, right? Yeah. Um, and I think I want to play with that, with the idea that um, that the environment would definitely have, and I mean, come on, how could it not have some kind of ancient Egyptian kind of vibes mm-hmm. going on in the place so that you're going to have some like, cool sandstone etc like type big temple structures granite rather not sandstone i don't even know what i'm talking about uh don't ask me i'm neither an art historian nor an architectural historian um but um you know towards that point i think that uh you could do some some really cool environmental hazards that are at the intersection of having like crumbling temples Right. Uh, yeah. Um, so I think that it would be pretty optimal to have a little bit of uh, of environmental engagement, which is not exactly um, a standard Dark Souls thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more roots of Dark Souls in terms of like Zelda. Uh, but to have some puzzle elements that you can manipulate, which I mean, it is in the sense of like elevators and uh, also elevators <laughs> and shortcuts. Um, but like my thinking is that you take the classic element of dark souls which is like here's a thing you manipulate to have a shortcut um and in fact maybe if the desert environment has like subterranean temple elements to it where you're going to go down and up which is very dark soulsy mm-hmm. um that you've got some of them that are like pull the lever fall to your doom spike trap type stuff mm-hmm. and i think that would be a really great fit where it's like it's all sandy you can't exactly tell uh but you know much like um a mimic there might be some small tell that after mm-hmm. you've done it a few times, you're like, oh, wait, it's got this hieroglyph-esque thing next to it. This one's almost definitely trapped or is most definitely trapped. I think that would be a, a pretty sweet tell where you've got like, you know, you got blocks and pillars and shit that are in the desert. Um, and then occasionally you'll like kind of go down these dark, dark places and come back up as you're negotiating the environment. So I could see that yeah. as a non, non-sand based right. environmental hazard because the environmental hazard part is just too too easy now this is going to completely contradict the egyptian part of it but it doesn't fucking matter it's a fantasy world and it's dark souls and for fuck's sake i want a basic enemy that is a cactus i want an animated <laughs> cactus yeah it has an annoying fucking ranged attack that shoots its spikes at you um and then it like comes up on you kind of like in uh in darkwood where those fuckers like grab you like oh that would just be such a great annoying enemy where it's it it would kind of be like those trees except instead of like whipping it's gonna like maybe uh maybe it's not so easy to spot when it's hitting you with way lower damage little projectiles um Mm -hmm. but there are going to be certain parts of the level where there's like a lot of them and you're just being pelted right and left with little like, you know, very small damage at once, but oh my God, it's fucking adding up. And why the fuck did I walk into the center of this? This is obviously functionally a trap. Now, are the, are these cacti uh, ambulatory or? Oh like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. That's I, I think picturing. so. I think they gotta be ambulatory, right? Um, like maybe they start out rooted. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but like, if you get proximate to them enough or line of sight enough, or if you shoot them, um then they come at you um yeah and i i cannot not see uh cactuar in my in my mind's eye when i think about this are you familiar with with cactuar from final fantasy no no because you know i have almost no final fantasy experience oh my Um, god yeah but yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, it's it's definitely uh, drawing on the kind of saguaro s cactus that is like, yeah, yeah. So I mean, think about this only far more sinister. Right. Although it yeah. does look as if if these images are are accurate uh, at a certain point, they get definitely more sinister looking. And that one appears to have uh, hips. Interesting. Yeah, there's some some interesting fan art. Uh, but yeah, I just love the the cactuar pose, the running man kind of. Yeah. With a face that is aghast. I think I like the idea that like this would be kind of a this would this would definitely have a Dark Soulsy vibe. Like, what are cacti? They're like reservoirs for water, right? Mm -hmm. um and so what if they start out not moving and when they uproot themselves they're moving slowly but they're depleting their own water supply to move around but as they do they get faster oh yeah i like you that. know that would be a really cool that would be a really cool enemy i might i might be in the process of making them too powerful but then it might be actually interesting if they could run themselves out which would not be something that's really been done as much in dark souls before which is like hey they've depleted their the whole of their water supply and so now they like are no longer moving fast. They can't, can't keep up on you as much. Mm-hmm. So for the boss element, I'm really inclined to go back to that ancient Egypt vibe, even though again, like I'm just mixing and matching, uh, matching here, but like, uh, I definitely feel like some kind of um, animal headed, uh, you know, tall, fast, animal headed death god type vibe mm-hmm. uh you know not gravelord uh nito at, at all we're talking about something very very different it's gonna like create um maybe it creates a fucking death portal as one of its specials that you know, like pulls you in does some damage to you and pops you out somewhere else on the level mm-hmm. on the on the map rather in the in the boss chamber um and like that could be part of its phase one you know, um, I think maybe a bird head's just a, a a good way to go, but I mean a jackal head's perfectly good too. It depends on how, uh, you know, how culturally appropriative of ancient Egypt we want to go here. <laughs> but I mean, they're all dead, right? As far as I know, there aren't <laughs> yeah. modern there aren't modern Egyptians, uh, you know, worshiping those same deities in a yeah. way. That is uh, maybe there are, in which case I apologize, y'all. Um, if you're listening to our podcast, please tell your friends to listen to it too. get angry, write us letters, um, and then listen to the next episode. We'll insult somebody else instead. Um, we've already, if it makes you feel better, we like radically insulted Christians a few episodes back. So, uh, fundamentalist Christians, that is specifically, um, we'll do the Greeks next and every, everyone will be happy. There we go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I could definitely see like a death portal that spits you out. And like, I don't know, even if you want to want to bring some kind of a scales attack, into it where it like goes into a like it's a long power up attack that draws your energy to weigh the scales and find you wanting and then slams you Mm -hmm. you know um something like that could be could be cool um it might even be kind of a cool thing to vaguely draw on maybe a few different egyptian deities and theme them out a little bit differently and have like a three-phase fight yeah um and maybe like the final phase is sun god like thematic where it's just fucking bursting horrible blazing rays out at you and a huge aoe attack yeah i like that so yeah some brief lore for the place i feel like this doesn't fit nicely in um in dark souls one this very much more has a dark souls three 
uh, collision of of different ecosystems and worlds type of vibe to it, mm-hmm. as opposed to the original Dark Souls, where there really is once you get to Lordran, there's like a lot of continuity between the different spaces that you go. They naturally link to each other, yeah. um, and, and that that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm stuck on a name. That's not going to happen for me. Um, but I, I could see how, and I mean, I, I'm going to be a little bit handicapped here having still not finished Dark Souls 3. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like the idea in a Dark Souls 3-esque setting where this is the older than old part Ooh. of the lore, right? Yeah. You know, this is from cycles and cycles and cycles past. And that's why it's so dry and desiccated and desert. And it was once a lush place. And when you're like looking at environmental cues and picking up objects and weapons that you find there, you're getting these little hints and tweaks that like much as you're in a desert environment, this absolutely was not. It's what is left over after a a really cataclysmically bad ending happened. Um, You know, possibly like some, some dragon fire scorch uh, aspect of, of, of the ancient dragons is, is involved in why this place has been re- rendered so, so desolate. Um, you know, they offended the principles of fire. They reached too far uh, in trying to channel the Godhead into their, like whatever the sun deity final masti- manifestation of the final boss. I like it. Yeah. That is not, um, I feel like a lot of deserts don't uh, come from that that angle creatively speaking like this place is a desert and it always was a desert um yeah but no this used to be a vibrant lush paradise and now it's a desert this is the middle east the tigris euphrates river valley was like this super vibrant lush paradise that's why there was so much civilization there mm-hmm. there yeah. isn't anymore you know there yeah. are areas where there, where 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 it's still still self-sustaining but so much of it is now a desert right yeah so um i don't know do you have a name for it um no not, it's tough. I, names yeah. are tough. Yeah. Especially Dark I mean, Souls names. They're, they're, that's what they're, I meant. I, names sub- are not, you and I can generally do names all day, but like Dark Souls names? They're subdued in a way, yeah. like Dark Root Garden. It's not yeah. like, you know, Glint Blade Forest or something. It's like, no, yeah. this is, and it's perfect. Like it and it's feels perfect natural. And, it, and it's subtle. And I, I just, I feel like uh, I've done a lot of fun off of your prompt and really enjoyed it. And I don't want to ruin it by giving it a <laughs> shitty name. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, well, you fulfilled the uh, creative challenge for this week. Well, Paul, you might make shorter work of my creative challenge for you, but I am. This is my, my second for, uh, foreshadowed element of the pod. Uh, you know, we were, we were tra- talking trombone champ, and obviously it's a play on Guitar Hero. Mm-hmm. So I want you to tell me about a gaming peripheral that doesn't exist, and it can't be a trombone. Mm-hmm. No, no plastic trombone allowed. And just also hearkening to some recent news, it is also not allowed to be vibrating anal beads. <laughs> okay. And uh, this is a, a, a rhythm game peripheral. It doesn't have to be a rhythm game peripheral. Okay. I, you know, no, I'm giving you a broader challenge than that. I just know that like the softball pitch would be like trombone champ. Shit. There's no trombone peripheral to play with that game. Right. So no, you know, and it, it can't exist. You know, turntables have been made as well. Yeah. If you do want to go down the music route, it's going to be, kind of kind of narrow but you don't have to go down the music crowd and i mean bear in mind dark souls has been beaten with a guitar hero controller so yeah yeah, yeah. the limit yeah let me let me let me ponder that and uh this won't be my answer because it does already exist but one of the first things that popped into my head 
um, there was a game, I think it was called Silent Scope in the arcades, and it was a sniper arcade game, and it had the big sniper rifle peripheral mounted okay. to the thing, and yeah. you look through it, and when you look through the scope, there was a separate screen Ooh, that you I were like looking that. at that was the magnification. Yeah, absolutely. Were, Feel free to go you know, down a route of like you could only do this in a dedicated space with a dedicated device, like a, like an arcade cabinet. That's okay. Yeah. Like run with it. You said silent scope. I was really hoping like uh, some kind of silent runnings, like submarine periscope thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, I think that might have actually been done as well in an arcade. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, it's kind of goofy and simple, but it's 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 what's it's what's there. Uh, so you know how hmm, I don't know this semi already exists maybe but but uh, you can tell me um you know there's the instinct when you're young or inexperienced to like uh, like jerk the controller to the side to make your guy make the jump even though oh yeah that's not going to happen um oh yeah but what if what if there was that except it was in your chair and Ooh. uh your chair could uh you know balance sort of back and forth a little bit you know subtly like it's not like wobbly but if you put a little force into it and like this is just another axis of of control that you have whether it's an airplane or a jump or i like of, this this could definitely be rolled into a wide variety of games i just want you to take it further so it the idea is that you will have some other controller that you're playing mm -hmm. with and then you've got the extra peripheral of the chair controller yeah the, the okay the leaner the leaner xl or you know like leaning around corners in in first person shooters is is pretty big um if you want to go crazy with it you can you could build in like pistons and like actuators to make it have its own movement so you could do it for like balance based sure um segments. Oh, i could definitely see having four directions of lean just to, to push you a little further yeah four directions uh definitely makes sense um because you know there's like foot pedals and rudders and stuff oh, that sure. already exist yeah definitely uh, for driving games there's a whole kind of and that's like yeah. based on the idea of a driving game but this is like what i like about the direction you're going here is that it is more universal um mm -hmm. that like it's it's generic it can add on to a variety of things exactly yeah um and you could have it to where like hmm I would almost want it to be something that the the it can sense when you mean it or when you need it. Like if you're gonna miss this jump, unless you lean forward, you know. Because um, so that gets into some specific game design for sure. Yeah, but if, like yeah, of, but I could see that like hey, you've got the controller in your hand, you're doing this conventional thing, and if it is this plus this in this scenario and that's a, a fair amount of game coding to put in there then it mm -hmm. takes advantage of it to give you the like oh you mean jump hard yeah or there's there's a, thres a threshold like okay you're leaning this much and th that's just a natural movement but oh you've really jerked yourself to the side it's like okay you know tilt sensor enabled now we're going to give you this uh, it's kind of similar to other thoughts i've had about like uh it, if it could sense your emotions and know that you're really pissed off and you just need to kill that enemy because you're so mad, you know? And it actually, like, what, your hits do more damage because it knows you're really pissed? Yeah, like, it has, like, a, a heart, heartbeat sensor in the controller or something. I mean, I love this idea for Dark Souls that I'm so fucking angry 
yeah. that like, no, it's doing like whatever, you know, 1.25 times the damage because I'm so pissed at this boss. Yeah. So it's just giving me a little bit of an extra edge, just a little like that. that that's separate, but I do like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Apple, I, if you're listening out there, next version of your watch, just kind of hook it up to some <laughs> other shit and make us happy. Yeah. Um, I I gotta tell you, like, since you said this chair, I'm just imagining what it might be like to play Tetris with just chair controls. Yeah. Just jerking yourself back and forth. Yeah, like left, right. And then like, I don't know, um, maybe you like pop on the chair in order to rotate. <laughs> That's terrible. That's not a good idea. And then like, you know how you can do like the plunge? Yeah. Move? That's just when you pull up on the little lever in the chair goes down like that's oh see now we're talking about a much more complex controller because now you've taken this to the next level of chair right. control, which is like air on chair level of controls mm -hmm. so that you've got all kinds of different like <laughs> shit you could play a, a crazy variety of games and you're just popping your body around in the process right quick expand the armrests <laughs> <laughs> i love stuff. it great yeah. answer that's fun stuff that is very fun stuff so yeah i think uh that probably wraps us up for tell me about. Yeah. Uh, great. Well, speaking of fun stuff, baseball is fun. And the Paul and Moses baseball update is fun, which means it's time for Paul and Moses. Your baseball updates. Uh, baseball has not returned, Moses. I was so ready to be like, baseball is back. It's yeah. not back, baby. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at... Um, Look at this TechCrunch article, and it's got like a, a, a baseball dripping blood, and it uh, expresses my emotions right now. Yeah. It's just crying blood. So, I definitely expected it to be back by now, uh, but you know, that is, that is all right. Um, I mean, hey, listen, it's five days ago that this piece was published by Amanda Silberling over on TechCrunch, and it does say it's almost time to return to the immaterial plane. So, that is a note of optimism to insert when a major publication is telling us that it's so um, this is, this is a good sign for sure. And actually um, earlier in the show, I just pulled up baseball.com and I refreshed as I want to do. And you know how you get the spinning uh, baseball uh, when it loads for a brief moment, it was a peanut. Oh, I didn't get that. Which probably means nothing. And now it won't be a peanut again. Like I can't make it happen, but no, uh, no. peanut it's, lives. Oh my God. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, does the coin live? Because you have to have betting in baseball, which means that the coin, right? The gods will be back. There's just no question. Yeah. It's fundamental. So that's true. That's true. I think we're going to see, you know, this is the new the third era or whatever of baseball that we're entering into epoch yeah. epoch um yeah not epic epoch i mean baseball is epic but um you know these are odd choices to compare it to twitch plays pokemon in a mm. massive multiplayer asynchronous dungeons and dragons campaign yeah i can kind of see the latter uh, but if you actually are a game mechanical thinker, uh, such as ourselves, <laughs> the analogy falls a little flat. But that's okay. This is a mass publication. It's not a games publication. Yeah. Um, so not much. You know, we, we started up the, the baseball update train. Um, I was going to say maybe prematurely, but maybe not. Like, we, we were good and patient. 
it's been over a year and we're just kind of yeah. reveling in the the anticipation here um not much longer to go it could be this very monday or even sunday i mean um, quote from rosenthal uh um with uh with the game band we've redone everything essentially from the core simulation that powers the game to the entire user interface of baseball it is built in a way that allows us to be as fast as we were previously but now on three different platforms since the mobile app is coming out on ios and android i mean like we knew that was something they said in from the outset that like hey when we do what they will not refer to, but I will refer to as a gold release that it was going to have dedicated apps and fuck. Yeah. I'm excited for that. It's going to be good. You know, it's going to be good. Like I'm not worried that they're taking their time. This is a simple game compared to, um, (laughs) like, yeah, I'm sure it is fucking mysteriously compoundingly complex way beyond my understanding from a development standpoint, but it is a simple game compared to other games that we have waited on previously or expansions Mm -hmm. of games that we've waited on previously. And so many of those have been rushed to market prematurely. Well, I mean, I understand that cyberpunk is now finally a truly playable game and that it's pretty good. Um, but good Lord, no, it got rushed to market. It was not good on release. Well, a game band can take their time. They can take their bloody sweet time and release proper baseball. And we'll, we'll just be here waiting for it. There's another quote I saw in here about something about um, in, in the test environment of games going on for like, uh, let's see here. Every day, the engineering team would get more and more excited about the fact this game is never ending. <laughs> they had like a test game that wouldn't end because of you know yeah. positive and negative points. And then, quote, let's not get started on fractional runs. So, yeah, uh, whatever is coming is going to be good and is worth the wait. Yeah. Remember how nutso things got like underhanded pitchers and unruns, unwins, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which are not which is not a loss and unwin is not a loss. It's not a loss. <laughs> and so then we wound up having to split in terms of like some teams were trying to go for wins. Some teams mm-hmm. were desperately going for unwins. Like I am looking forward to just that same level of insanity with just some more polish and yeah. the ability for me to actually pull up an app that runs a lot better than the game ran on, uh, on smartphones. Yeah. Cause that in particular was sometimes nightmarish. And I mean, we got to watch, one or two like tacos versus magic yeah together games i mean not much you know like we've spent very little time actually enjoying baseball together so uh it's true because i was so fucking resistant as is typical of me um (laughs) not to new things in general i'm very particular about the things i choose to be resistant to (laughs) yeah but they tend to be great things like dark souls and baseball right so you know all right game band we're looking forward to it we sure are. Uh, we're also looking forward to the final feature of the show, which can only mean it's time for Make My Game. Come on, gods of random game generation names. Don't throw us something horribly offensive this time. <laughs> Again, I, mean, I was just listening to three episodes back. It wasn't Africa Blood. Was yeah, it? that was the one. It was. It was. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's so coming it. from <laughs> coming from rendered cake game studios, which is Ooh, like pretty that. great yeah. uh, picture like this nice red velvet um, mm-hmm. with their game. Grimy, <laughs> grimy lacrosse dystopia. How can we not take wow. this ball? I feel no, like totally 
the only reason to not take it is the reason to take it, which is like, I don't know shit about lacrosse really. Yeah. Uh, or at least I know very, very little. It's a game played with sticks and a ball with a little net on the end of the stick. Right. Um, and people run around a field and I think there's a high rate of injury. Um, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> Hey, that, um, that is just scratching the surface of what is grimy lacrosse dystopia. The first thing I want to ask, and I, and I think I already know the answer, but are not all dystopias grimy? Not necessarily. No. No, not, not necessarily. You can have a very clean dystopia. Like yeah. Brave New World, where people are being right. fed pills and everything is very shiny and clean, you know? Totally, totally. So, yeah, no, there, uh, is, there are plenty of opportunities. It's not, it's not necessarily apocalyptic. All apocalypses are, are well, I mean, more or less grimy. Like, post-apocalyptic is, is kind of inherently grimy. But uh, dystopia, no, there's all kinds of ways. So in this case, no, it, it is dirty, and people are settling for the fact that it is grimy. And one thing I want to get, like, right out over, uh, you know... Um, over on this take is that I, I don't think that this is a game where we're doing a sports simulation where you're playing players on a field. Yeah. I, I actually think it's far more interesting if we're somehow integrating lacrosse into the dystopia, but it's whatever role it plays, it, it is not that we're playing a sports sim. Yeah, I'm with you there. It also plays to our uh, weakness of, I'm pretty sure neither of us has the lacrosse knowledge necessary to get in there uh, on short notice. So, so I mean, what makes a dystopia a lacrosse dystopia? This might be a world where lacrosse is reviled because it is the reason that we're in a dystopia. Oh, I like it. I definitely like it. Um, so... Let's start with that. Let's start with the fact that um, in a um, kind of like a pre-basketball uh, reality where lacrosse in particular became such a powerful force that it became kind of ruinous and outlawed. Yeah. And I mean, so again, neither of us know that much about lacrosse. I, it, I do associate it with the sort of preppy like Ivy League, rich kid kind of, like 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 water polo, like you you got to like or or dressage. Like I think way be, more than water polo, but yes. Yeah. What do you need for? But you know, like you are going to be a well off. You know, maybe not an asshole, but you know, you no. Are you come from you come from an elitist uh, background where you you are not capable of relating to common human beings. It's like the antithesis of bowling. <laughs> shiny bowling utopia on the other hand totally Another, different game which yeah. we'll be making next week right. um no but we've got our grimy lacrosse dystopia I, you know as weird as this sounds i want this game to be management simmy i want it to have a, like i feel like you are in some way shape or form doing a management sim in this environment um it is a dystopia in some way because of the fact that Oh, no, no, this is great. Uh, this is great. No, so lacrosse, lacrosse being this all-powerful sports empire is why things are dystopic everywhere else, right? It is grimy in the rest of the world uh, because so much economic resource has been put into 
um, the mass entertainment phenomenon of elitist lacrosse yeah. games. Um, and you're not allowed to not like lacrosse publicly. Hence the dystopia. Yeah. And in fact, if you're found to uh, to be like a hater, people will like beat you with lacrosse bats. I don't even think they're called bats. That was the other thing is I want there to be like a surplus of, of hand-me-down equipment uh, that, that also informs the world. They, so they, I think they have the long sticks with the little nets. Yeah, I'm trying them. to remember what the heck they're called. And I guess they're just called lacrosse sticks, not bats. That makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, it's a stick with a net that they use to, to sling that ball around. And, um, so, so that makes sense. Um, what if, what if there are, oof, what if there are wars fought, uh, where the armies are only equipped with repurposed, uh, lacrosse gear? I like this. This is definitely, um, it, it's been part of the great lacrosse accord of, you know, 2592, mm-hmm. um, you know, after humanity survived so many other things, um, in order to demilitarize the world, uh, you know, guns were traded in for lacrosse sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the inevitable outcome of this could not have been anticipated because you have a, a variety of, uh, you know, cheats essentially for highly militarizing lacrosse equipment into making it just as deadly as that, which it replaced. Yeah. Like some sort of, uh, uh, a uh a laser wire grid instead of a net itself it's like a a hard light grid that can whip these these light pucks at people or whatever at at people and that's just one form of lacrosse shaped uh war war gear that is available um lacrosse is not polo another elite game so it's not played on horses so we can't bring horses into this uh in a in a direct way but that's maybe for the best because we are talking about devastating military gear based on lacrosse equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I, kind of like um, another another variant might be kind of like uh, the, the atlatl, uh, which is like, you know, the spear whipping device uh, that was in in, uh, in North America on this continent. Oh, so it was like a strap that could sling a spear? No, it's like another stick that you used to, to sling a spear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it uh, allows them to be slung at like up to 100 miles an hour or something. Jesus. Yeah. That's pretty crazy, especially because we're talking about like a thousands year old technology. Yeah. Um, but in, in a similar vein, you could see how you might have like a repeat loading <laughs> ball lacrosse stick that allows <laughs> the balls to be slung at like impossible speeds to devastating effects. Um, so that's the military gear side of, of how this, things have become dystopic. Um, but I think that you as the player are, uh, as in any good dystopia setting, uh, you are, you are part of some sort of, uh, of counterweight, some kind of insurgency, uh, a rebellion against the grimy lacrosse dystopia. And so you mentioned management sim, could this be sort of a, a, a mill sim, uh, well, maybe not Milson, but like, you know, like a total war um, kind of thing where you're taking territory and also engaging in these skirmishes. Interesting. So I like this where uh, you could combine a, a management side of resource allocation, mm-hmm. um, but then combine it with a uh, kind of removed total war-esque um, combat management where, where uh, 
maybe even more than total war, you you really can't micro control your troops at all. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing: you get to choose to develop different militarized sports technology that you are using to counter the lacrosse warriors all of the outlawed sports that lacrosse has replaced there are like caches around the world and so you're going to develop your like your american football bomb and you're going to develop like you know these various alternate sport tools that you're going to use to combat lacrosse in an effort to pluralize the world again in terms of sports and return sports to its place of um you know athletic entertainment I'm picturing um, naval combat with <laughs> bowling balls that function like torpedoes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just loving the idea that every it, it can be yeah. so absurd in terms of like bringing sports elements into like stupid scales that don't make any sense. But this has been done to replace a conventional military apparatus. Yeah. So, you know, um, I, I don't know. It's, it's a giant baseball bat shaped plane type thing. <laughs> and you're talking about like, like water polo, like those cavalry charges from the water polo brigades, man. It's, yep. It's scary shit. You've got offshore shelling basically coming on from your, from your water, water polo players. Yeah. As you, as you develop your aqueous, aqueous forces that you're, that the lacrosse armies are no longer equipped to deal with because they just didn't, you know, wa- uh, you know, naval warfare was just kind of left by the wayside in the development of this lacrosse dystopia. This kind of reminds me of an anime called Kill La Kill, which I know I've mentioned to you before because it's really good. But all the different uh, clubs in the school um, compete and fight. And so like the ping pong club and he has his whole uniform and offensive abilities to do with oh yeah with ping pong um definitely yeah you definitely mentioned this to me before yeah um which in its uh ludicrous dreamlike quality does remind me a little bit of fully coolly too but you know yeah definitely um i'm not sure that we have too much more depth we can go down into this without starting to like specify units and uh and progression which I mean, certainly we could do, but I think that honestly, we're best left doing uh, leaving that to rendered cake game studios. Yeah, I concur and conquer, as they say. As they say, as I love to say. As you, as you have coined, uh, and so let it be. And so let us be coming to the end of the show, Moses. Uh, well, as we as we uh, congratulate, uh, what was the studio again? <laughs> The, the studio being rendered cake game studios with grimy lacrosse dystopia and uh nothing is more grimy than a than a goodbye sometimes the yeah and i mean your face can be very hard to say goodbye to a great <laughs> little homage a little homage here. as we're on our way out and there was a who knew there was a whole uh story i unfortunately forgot there's like a long intro because of the uh of the movie in which this uh, the song was featured, but you want to tell me what this is all about? Is this a beautiful, not beautiful mind? What's it called dangerous? Dangerous minds, yeah. Dangerous minds, yeah. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. I've never so, actually seen this music video. In the interest of keeping in fair use, we're not going to let the whole thing play right now. Yeah. But, 
Coolio, rest in power. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what more, uh, what more there is to say on, on that from, from me, but do you have anything more, uh, any final thoughts this week, Moses? Florida man, please stay safe for all of our sakes. Uh, otherwise, you know, um, I know some of you won't, but, uh, this is, this is life. And, uh, you know, we are, uh, we're here for you, Florida. Uh, not a phrase I usually say, but uh, but that's my final thought, um, you know, for the evening in the interest of unity and supporting human beings and their humanity. Oh, you're a good man, Moses. I've always said it. <laughs> Maybe not out loud, but I've, I've always said it in my in my head. <laughs> well, Paul, do you want to take us out? I certainly do uh thanks moses as per usual for being here with us this evening absolutely paul thanks for leading the charge absolutely and thanks to everyone out there for listening to this week's episode of paul and moses play if you have a question a comment or a suggestion you can email us at paul and moses play at gmail.com we'll see you next week and until then never never Stop, Stop playing! playing.